0: Our gospel reading this morning is from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 34, and uh, this actually leads into a story that you're probably very familiar with, but we're just going to read a little introductory part on its own. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we do thank you for all that you have given to us, God, knowing that you give not generously, but you also give for a purpose. We pray that you would help us to use what you have given for the purpose that you have given it. Lord, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. We pray that you would help us use your word as you have intended, for us to learn from it more about who you are, who we are to be in relationship with you,
1: Jesus. Help us to be changed by your word and by your spirit. Keep us tuned to your voice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Mark 6, verses 30 through 34.
0: The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd.
1: So he began teaching them many things. Turning into our New Testament reading, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22.
0: Uh, this passage starts with the word therefore. Back and see what it's therefore. It says, therefore, remember that formerly.
1: Have you ever experienced deja vu where you feel like you have experienced the same thing before? Have you ever experienced deja vu where you feel like you've experienced the same thing before? Our passage this morning is
0: uh, Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. And as we read this, if you have been following along from the beginning of our series through Genesis, as we read this, there's going to be a moment where you're like, I think we've been here. Hasn't, haven't we already done this one? We've read this before, haven't we? We've not. But it is very familiar uh, for a reason, which we will talk about as we get into it. Uh, this is Genesis chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, There is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, She really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother. And she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, This is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, He is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female slaves, so they could have children again. For the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving
1: because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Go and do likewise? I don't think this is that kind of passage, do
0: you? But it does seem like one we've seen before, and that is uh, in Genesis chapter 12, we see a very similar uh, situation. This is back when Abraham is still just called Abram, but it's right after God has called him. And God has called him and said, you know, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Leave your father, leave your family, and go to the land that I'm going to show you. I'm going to bless you, make your name great, I'm going to give you lots of sentence. I'm going to bless the whole world through you. And then later in that same chapter... We see Abraham because of a famine going down to Egypt and telling everybody that his wife is really his sister. And then Pharaoh takes her, and then I mean, it's the same story. You have uh, the plagues that end up coming on Egypt because of Pharaoh taking Sarah as his wife, and eventually, oh, you know, they got to get it all straightened out again. Pharaoh's upset, sends him back, out, <laughs> sends him out of the land, and um, and so then we get to here, and we're like, wait. We've done this already. Why are we doing this again? What is going on here? And uh, because what's happened is in between, you would think that Abraham would have learned his lesson. In between that time and this, like it's, it makes sense that at that point, there was a famine. He had to go somewhere else. He's pretty new to this whole walking with God thing. And so, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is the way to do things. But it clearly isn't the way to do things. And then as, um, as he goes on, he gets a lot more uh, practice in walking with God. He has a lot more uh, time of getting to know God, of who he is. And we have seen things like um, like God coming to him and uh, giving him the sign of circumcision, but also taking him out and showing him all the stars and saying, you're going to have this many descendants, that sort of thing. Like, look at all of what I have done. This is what I'm going to do in and through you in this world. And we've seen... The, uh, the character of God on display when God says, I'm going to uh, go to Sodom and Gomorrah and see if the wickedness is really as bad as the cry that has reached. And we see Abraham uh, interceding. And so we looked at when God shows up first and we see the generous, incredible generosity and hospitality that Abraham offers to these strangers, not even knowing that it is God going up. And then we see the compassion of God for people Even in Sodom and Gomorrah, as Abraham is saying, look, if there are 50 people, and he gets it all the way down, if there are 10 people, you're not going to destroy the whole place for 10 righteous people, right? And the whole way through, God is basically like, well, of course I wouldn't do that. And Abraham says, would not the judge of all the earth do right? And the answer, of course, is yes. God is the judge of all the earth, and yes, he's going to do right. Right. And so we have seen then God even be gracious to Abraham's family in rescuing Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah before they are destroyed. And so we have seen Abraham as he has been walking with God and learning uh, more about who God is and what it means to walk with him and to trust him in all kinds of things. And so the first time it happens, you go, well, all right, but why here? Why does Abraham end up now outside of the land that God told him to go to. Was there a famine this time? There was no famine. You'll read in the first couple verses there, it just says, Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar. What are you doing? That's not where he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be in the land that God had shown him, in the land that God had promised to him. And now he has wandered outside of the bounds. Hmm.
1: That's interesting.
0: This is actually Philistine territory. kind of all moves around, you know, borders and such. This is kind of Philistine territory between Israel and Egypt at that time. And so it's almost like he didn't go all the way to Egypt, but he's kind of eh, mostly there. But he's still outside of the land that God has promised to him. And in fact, he even when describing his time walking with God, when he's giving his excuse to uh, the king of Bimelech. In verse 13, he says, And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, Had God told him to wander from his father's household as though he's aimless with nowhere to go? No, he said, Go to the land I will show you. There was a destination. He's not just out wandering around. And yet here, it seems like he's just out wandering around.
1: That he has left the promise of God Why? But while he's out
0: there, it seems to cause the same kind of problems that we had before when he went to Egypt because of the famine. And it is very interesting that the first person to really call attention to the wrong that's being done isn't Abraham, it isn't Sarah, it isn't the people who've been walking with God the whole time. The person who calls attention to the wrong that's being done, well, if God is the one who calls everybody's attention to it. But do you think Abraham knows that it's wrong at this point? Do you think Sarah knows it's wrong at this point? But Abimelech, what about him? The king? He didn't know. And yet he's the first one that actually calls attention to it and says, could shouldn't be doing this. Nobody should be doing this. Like whether you are a representative of God or not, like nobody should be doing this. What are you doing? And what is it? What is Abraham's reason for doing this? That's the, actually the, the question that Abimelech asks, and I think it's the perfect question. And this is actually going to be a talk about uh, for ourselves. Is in, uh in verse 10, right after he says, you have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? That's a good question, isn't it? What was your reason for doing this?
1: And what does Abraham give him as his reason for doing this? Frankly, excuses. What he
0: gives him is what he has kind of spun to himself as his reasons for doing this, but I think it goes deeper. He starts out by saying, it says, Abraham replied, this is verse 11. Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she technically is, you know. And then he goes on with something that maybe if Abimelech were a lawyer, he'd be like, okay, I'll get you off on technology here. But like any common sense person looks at that and goes, no, no, no. <laughs> but that's what Abraham is doing. He's doing the same thing that we see from Adam and Eve in the garden, right? What have you done? <laughs> well, you know, it was because of this or that. Or I think what's behind it all, and this is where I think it's fascinating the Abraham says, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. He says, the reason that I did this is because I didn't think that you guys actually cared about who God is and, you know, want to live according to his ways. And because I didn't think you wanted to do that, I got afraid. So I didn't do what God wants done and live according to his ways. So two wrongs make a, what? No, that's not how this works basically what it comes down to is the same thing it came down to in the garden of eden the same thing it came down to the first time abraham went outside and went to egypt it's the same thing it's the same story that gets replayed in life after life after life after life all the way down to us it would get to the point where abraham has a choice do i trust god do i get afraid and try to take matters in my own hands this is not the first time that we've seen abraham do that not only in this type of story but throughout the story, Abraham has kind of his high points and low points. We talked about this. And this is one of those moments where Abraham stops trusting. He tries to spin it in a way. Sounds like he's still the good guy. And it's those other people that are the bad guys. And that's why, you know, I was forced into a corner. I had to do this. He didn't have to do this. He did this because he got afraid. He stopped trusting God. He didn't stay where he was supposed to stay. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. He didn't tell people what he was supposed to tell them. And when he does that, when he steps outside, this person who is supposed to be the one through whom God is going to bless the whole world, all nations of the world, all peoples of the world, instead of bringing blessing, he's bringing curse. Because instead
1: of trusting in God, walking with him, he walks away. And all he brings to the other nations is his own sin. And so while he is there, have several problems. One, nobody, Abimelech's, in,
0: Abimelech's whole household, his wife, his female slaves, all the women in Abimelech's household were kept from conceiving the whole time that uh, Sarah was there. How long was this? I don't know, but long enough for them to notice that. We had another problem where God comes to Abimelech and says, actually, if you keep her here, I'm going to kill you, and everybody belonging to
1: you. This is not what Abraham is supposed to be bringing to the nations of the world, is it? And yet, it's happened because he's turned away from where he's supposed to be and what he's supposed to be doing. Now, the good news is this isn't the end of Abraham's. We'll continue. But it's a story. Like I said, you know, this is going
0: to sound familiar. We've seen this before. We've seen this before when Abraham went and told uh, the Egyptian Pharaoh that his wife was really his sister because he was afraid. He does that again. But one of the things we've been seeing throughout the story, not just in this type of thing, but even what we saw a couple weeks ago with Lot and his daughters, and the weird thing that happened there, is we see people instead of trusting God. Just trusting their own senses, and saying, "I believe my own eyes and ears, and my you know thinking it through myself more than I believe what God has said." I don't trust Him to make good of anything. If something good is going to come from this, I'm going to have to make it happen. This is what we've seen, again, again, and again. This is what we saw when when Abraham and Sarah tried to come up with a child for Abraham but not through Sarah.
1: Taking matters into their own hands, doing what God has not said to do. And of course, in all of it, there's the spinning it for ourselves. Well, you know, this is what we're going after. This is what we're trying to do. Now let me ask you, how familiar is this story, not just biblically, but in your own life? There's a bit of deja
0: vu here as well. <laughs> where time and again we keep doing the same things, turning away from God, going our own way, doing our own thing, causes problems. This is the cycle, by the way, that you'll see if you read the entire book of Judges. What happens is you have people who are uh, walking with God who then turn away from God, and then things get really bad, and then they turn back to God, and then things get okay again, and then they turn away, and then it's that same cycle over and over. Deja vu. And how many times do we play through this cycle where if the question is asked, what was your reason for doing this? We come up with really good, clever reasons that would sound great, you know, to a lawyer trying to get us off on a technicality.
1: But we know in our heart of hearts, God is not fooled. He knows why we did it. Because we stopped trusting And so why is it that we stop trusting? What is it that Abraham is really afraid of here? What is it we get afraid of? What are the things that cause you to turn away? What is it you're afraid of losing? What is it you're afraid of not gaining? Where your treasure is, Jesus says, there your heart will be also. We tend to treasure things besides God. And then we are afraid of not getting that. We turn away from him. Or we already have it, and we're afraid of losing it. We turn away. I often think of living the Christian life. I think one of the great images of living the Christian life is
0: Peter walking on the water. Remember that one? Peter's walking on the water, not because he can, because Jesus has called him to do that. And so he's able uh, to obey and do what he can't do on his own,
1: and walk on the water until he gets afraid. When he gets afraid, of course, he gets afraid because he sees the wind and the waves, (laughs) and he starts to sink, starts to go down, he starts to drown. He calls out, Lord, save me, and Jesus pulls him right back up.
0: And this seems to be the same kind of story. This seems to be the story that is replayed again and again. Uh, This is what happens with Abraham here. He gets afraid, he turns away, he starts to sink, and yet God reaches down and pulls him up again. If you have been through this cycle a few times, you may also know the other part of the cycle, which is where you get uh, to this point and you say, you know, I've been here before. God's already had
1: to rescue me from this before. Before. And here I am, right back again. I can't even go back to him. I just keep doing this stuff. Surely, he's just done with me. Been there? Peter, falls in the water, is the one who actually asks
0: Jesus, how many times should I forgive uh, my brother or sister? Seven times, maybe? Surely that is the extent
1: of extravagant forgiveness, right? He did it once, he did it twice, he did it three times. Seven times? Come on. Hallelujah. Jesus is the one who responds, not seven times. Seventy times seven. A
0: number that is actually not think, keeping track till you get to 490 times, but just a number meaning you just keep on forgiving. Jesus said this. Isn't that good news for you and me? <laughs> as we keep replaying the Garden of Eden over and over again, as we keep replaying the same things as we see Abraham's doing here, he's farther along now. Surely by now he's got everything right. Nope. We look at ourselves and we say, We have been following Jesus for how many years now? Surely by now I'll get everything
1: right. Nope. I wish I could show you a video. Too long. And I like to talk too much, so we're not going to watch the video. Here's the thing.
0: This is a, a video that I uh, showed actually at Youth Group a couple weeks ago. And I highly recommend it. It is a video of a Scottish guy learning how to stack dice uh, on top of each other with a cup. And that's it. That's the whole video. But it takes like eight minutes or something. But what, that, what it is, you get dice just scattered around. And then he scoops them up, and with the cup still upside down, he moves it in such a way that they don't fall out, and then he scoops up another one, scoops up another one, and then when he slides it down and picks up the cup, they're all standing vertically stacked. And then, get, and so he does five of them like that, then he scoops up five more, slams them on top of that, and has a tower of ten. Pretty neat. Probably not a skill you need, <laughs> but it's neat. And what I love about the video, though, is when he starts to learn it he has just somebody has challenged him to learn it and he doesn't know how to do it at all and so he starts with zero experience zero training nothing and he always starts his videos learning new things by saying this is day one hour zero and uh you want to look him up it's mike boyd dice stacking fun video anyway So I show the video to the kids. He's just knocking dice all over the place. He's getting really annoyed because of the sound of it. Uh, he has to like, put on headphones because it's just dice knocking into everything, driving him crazy. And he you know, gets a little bit of progress, and then it's back again, and then a little bit more, and then back again. And yet, finally, by the end of the video, he gets it. And then it's, oh. And then I ask the kids, okay,
1: as you watch the video, when he would mess up, how many of you got mad at him for messing up? Nobody. And I say, okay, how many of you uh,
0: were just really disappointed he messed it up? Nobody. Well, no, what was your attitude as you watched him, as he's learning this new thing, this new skill that he's never done before, and he messes up? What is your attitude? You're not at all surprised that he's messing up. But what you're doing is you keep rooting for him to keep going because you see the progress he's making and you know that if he just keeps going, he'll get there, right? That's what you're doing. And I think too often when we are looking at what it looks like to walk with God, we have this expectation is day one, hour zero, I start walking with God and from then on, no more mistakes. If we have any more mistakes, then I'm just a bad Christian. No good at this at all. God's probably done with me, given up. I said I was going
1: to follow him faithfully, and I didn't. Yeah, guess what? Nobody does. (laughs) Because it's new. It's
0: different. It's completely different than the ways of this world. And we have a lot of bad habits (laughs) that need to get undone, and that takes time. We have a lot of things that we do that we've never even thought about before, things of our lives that we've never even examined before need to get fixed and straightened out. And I love that video of um, him learning to stack the dice because he's as silly as it is. It's a good illustration of God's attitude towards us as we walk with him and we learn what it is to walk with
1: him. How many times does he forgive us when we mess up along the way? Seven times? Not seven. Seventy times Seven. It just keeps going. Why? Because of what the goal is. If the goal is to make no mistakes, starting now,
0: we are all doomed. The goal is keep going, keep growing, keep learning who God is and what it means to be his and to actually live in communion and connection with him and with his people, and to be someone who is being shaped by his character,
1: by his word. My goodness. There's a lot of grace there, isn't there? A lot of room for mistakes along the way
0: as we learn this new thing. It's one of the reasons we do this together, by the way. To help each other uh, along the way, to encourage each other where we need to be, when we need to be encouraged,
1: Challenge each other. We need to be challenged. Just keep going. One of my favorite parts of this particular story, Genesis twenty, is that it's a story of
0: Abraham having messed up again in the same way he's done before, and yet, you know, here Abraham is the one who's not bringing blessing but bringing curse to the other nations, and yet. What does God tell Abimelech about Abraham? This is verse 7. Now return the man's wife for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you will live. Isn't that interesting? And then you get down to the end. Verse 17. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech. Is God done with Abraham because of his mistake? Abraham has turned away. He's messed up again in the same way he has before. Is God done with him? No. God is continuing to use him, and even in this case, to bless the nations by praying for them. He still has Abraham in a priestly role, serving God and serving the nations, even in the midst of this
1: time where he has turned away again, the same mistake again. God's not done with it. This is good news. If you
0: see uh, Abraham's story and you have that sense of deja vu, not just because you've
1: read it before in Genesis 12, but because you've lived this, this is good news. God is not done with us because of our sin. But in fact, this is the reason that Jesus came. is that he is the one who has laid down his life for
0: us so that we can continue to walk with God,
1: to get close to God, for God to use us to bless others even when we don't have it all together. Sure, good news for me. I hope you heard his good news. In the name of the Father, the Son,